There were some uh, questions tonight, and the first one, first series involves uh, the topic of citta, relationship between citta and awareness, how to explore what is citta, what's the difference between citta and thinking, knowing and citta, what does the Buddha say about the citta in relation to meditation and wisdom. So, this is quite a fit, actually, it's the a very common word in the scriptures, very commonly used, and often, mostly often translated as mind. Uh, the other term for mind is manas, that's also used. Uh, citta seems to re- refer to the, uh, the quality or the intelligence that... Uh, um, its main, main characteristic is it uh, it urges or it moves or it shifts, it has impulses. <clears throat> These impulses are called chitana, quite obviously. Chitta chitana. So these impulses, chitana, intentions, could be uh, interest. So something turns the mind, turns our attention, or aversion, pushes it back. Uh, like this. It can be lofty intention, sense of chitta rising. You know, in a sense full of. Uh, Good qualities, or supported by good qualities, such as faith, or energy, or mindfulness. So it's this. Uh, it can be. So it's both is uh, volitional. It can also. Uh, its volition, its impulses can be lofty. Aim. So it's got a certain ethical quality to it, and a certain. Um, so ethical quality can be um, marked with ill will or malice or deceit or generosity, generous citta. You know, so it's often marked with these ethical qualities that, uh, yeah. And yet <clears throat> so also it receives impressions, things touch the citta, the citta feels shocked, startled, delighted, teased, so this way we often call it heart because it's that sense of something that can be quite warm or twisted, distorted um, or, or hurt yeah, or encouraged, so this way we might use the word heart to uh, refer to it. <coughs> It's also experienced as the sense of of I. It's the sense of me. Something touches. So when you say it touches me, we're referring to citta, that experience of being touched, affected, hurt, uh, gladdened. That's the citta is gladdened or hurt or so forth. It's a sense of that which is affected, me. Um, it's also associated with a sense of I, because this is where volition comes from. I, I do, I act, I 
believe, it launches into a particular direction. Often, <coughs> so in these senses, so, so the very place where the experience of I occurs, that's, that's jitta, if you can call it a place or a moment. So it's associated with this contact, something touches jitta, jitta responds. So this is a very familiar experience we all have, so familiar that we assume this is, this is myself, <coughs> this is what I am. So this uh, creates some confusion because when we say this is what I am, we assume it would be something lasting, but of course jitta is shifting, the colors, the qualities, the intentions, the impressions are constantly shifting. So what kind of an I am is that? It's never, never the same from one moment to the next. Mm-hmm. And if it was um, I am, then it would be able, we'd be able to, to uh, make it I am peaceful, I am happy all the time. But that doesn't seem to be the case either. <laughs> so what kind of, uh, no control over it. So what kind of a self is that, that, that is not able to be directed? <laughs> yeah, not able to be made constantly agreeable or steady or peaceful, what kind of an I am is that? Who, who's controlling it? So it has no, you know, what controls it is various impressions and impulses. So the pain controls it, pleasure controls it, desire controls it, fear controls it. Mm, so there, that, yeah. Um, but uh, the Buddha said it can be trained so though it is this, because it's affected and responds, it also there's a possibility of some learning to occur. A jitter can learn. You say that touches me. I don't have to act upon it. You know that hurt me, but I don't have to get angry about it. So, so essentially, it's got some wisdom in it. It can actually mediate a response to an effect. It seems pleasant, but mm, not right now. Mm, seems like a good thing to say, but not right now. So it has this definitely has a wisdom potential. Uh, <clears throat> it seeks harmony and balance where it will feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so, but he said, well, this quality it can be because it has it has a fundamental wisdom. To it, it can be gradually educated and learned because it also um, you know, is affected by things. It can be given good qualities to be affected by, such as kindness, such as morality, such as uh, meditation, will, will mollify, calm, smooth the chitta. And so that's a lot of the aim. Do this, because as it says, an untrained chitta. There's nothing so harmful, nothing so destructive as an untrained jitta. Nothing can do you so much harm. And nothing can be so benevolent and beneficent and strong as a trained jitta. Therefore, one should train it. 
And he said his own practice, he said, when my mind, when my chitta was steady, um, strong, then I directed it. It was directed towards destruction of uh, corruptions, corrupting influences. And the chitta then uh, was vimuti, it was liberated. So it's a happy ending. <laughs> and then, so, but then even as one cultivates, we see all, even more importantly, well, wisdom is there, but also has this property of awareness. It's something could be sensed, you know. So one can also call it awareness. Or, you know, so, and then the the uh, training often means that gradually, as jitta gets less, gets trained, it doesn't get so affected by contact, doesn't keep jumping up and down. Uh, then it begins to shed some of its qualities, some of its um, colorings, some of its um, passions and fears, and then it becomes heart becomes more like just pure. Awareness doesn't really have a lot of emotional effects in it. <clears throat> now, the exercises to experience the jitta, you're, you're doing them. Um, but um, you might say that the, to explore it, you have a quality called Dhamma Vijaya, exploration, investigation. You normally investigate the states that jitta. Is, is being affected by um, and essentially the theme is you main theme in practice is that these the states or the very qualities that jitta produces as it's affected called sankara jitta sankara and the one of the main uh, themes simple motto is to separate jitta from jitta sankara example thing I'm feeling really depressed unhappy Say, so, well, actually, wait a minute. This, uh, there's the depression. Is that, isn't it? It's this kind of sinking, helpless state, you know. So, you, by naming the condition, the the quality that we're experiencing, by naming it, that's that. Uh huh. And then there's the part. Once one names it, knows it, that's that. Gets kind of objective about it. No longer taking it personally as myself, but as a phenomenon. This is the phenomenon of depression. This is the phenomenon of anger, the phenomenon of guilt. It's not I am. It's it's a it's a quality, and this quality can be sensed as it feels turgid or flaring or hot or sinking. So you know, it's that now. Because that can occur, I must be watching it. I'm the way I'm separate from it. I'm the awareness that knows this quality is like that. So we don't really explore the jitta so much as investigate in order to to distinguish um, the qualities of sankharas that arise as they actually are, rather than attributing them to a self. And clearly this is just much more than an intellectual exercise. 
because these uh, qualities of experience can have often very poignant and emotional pull to them. If, if we really feel pretty upset when we're getting grief, you can't say, oh, it's just grief, so what? <laughs> it, does, it feels like me. <laughs> so this is why we have to cultivate some kind of uh, foundation um, to, for the jitta to stand on while it, so it can kind of withdraw from that, not through negativity, just by almost the energy of it retreats. Right? <coughs> now, so I'm using the word energy. Now, if you notice, these states have an energy in them. They're, they're not, they're not, they, they're often quite mobile. You feel it's sinking, flaring, agitation, thoughts coming up, it's quite turbulent. You know, they're swirling around, or they're pulling, or they feel like heavy. They've got an energy in them. So uh, this is so. Then they say, and the more you get interested in them, the more you get annoyed by them, the more you worry about them. Then you give them more energy, because your your jitta is actually putting more energy into it by its reactions to it. So a reaction is just to try to withdraw called viveka, withdrawal, means you're just not, you cultivate a sense of patience. In order to withdraw, you have to have a place to go to. And so this is why, of course, we're recommending such things as mindfulness of body. So you say, actually, there's this really unhappy state. Wait a minute, there's that. Definitely there, unhappy, I feel really unhappy. What about what my, my body? I feel a sense, oh, I just, a sense of a lot of, I feel my upper body feels quite congested. My spine, I can't hardly feel it at all, so I just pull my body up and start to cultivate a straight or upright or clear bodily impression, you know. Of steadiness, and that then your energy goes into that away from the mental state, goes into the bodily uh, state, energetic state, and this itself, without solving the problem at all, or or doing anything with the mind state, you're just basically siphoning off energy and turning it back to this stable place. So that helps to lessen the 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 power. Of the of the sankara, and so you use the kaya sankara, the bodily energy, to withdraw from the chitta sankara. Right? So, so, yeah. and the simplest form of bodily energy is the energy associated with breathing in and out. But it's essentially it's the bodily. Well, here I go again. The energy. Uh, and we sense it as a certain presence of body. In a way, it forms a body. It forms our here and now experience of body. This is sometimes called a bodily formation, because based upon that, uh, we feel our body as heavy, or as congested, or as bright, or as weak, or as very much up in the top and nothing in the bottom. Yeah. So, this, so you get these forms arise 
because the citta sankara is distorting, pulling these uh, the bodily energy into these forms. So if you straighten the form of the body out, so the body is, is held straight and clear, and then that tends to withdraw energy from the citta sankara, so it becomes more subdued. Still there, there's a potential, but then who's that? Who's that? Yeah. Then you can use this, this so the basic samatha principle is to do just this shifting of energy. Then the wisdom principle is having having that foundation with viveka, with withdrawal. Okay, there's this quality, you know, irritation or something. I call it irritation. What triggers it? What brings it around? A memory, a thought. Or, I am. When the I am appears in it, it gets really... (laughs) What about that quality of I am? What's that? It's just a view. It's just a bias. Actually, so this insight, you start to, um, you know, cultivate this this wisdom. Um, or you think, well, I'm, you know, I'm really a depressed person, you know, an angry person. And well, you know, this thing that you you are is constantly moving and shifting and changing, isn't it? And you can be aware of it. If you can be aware of it, how can it be you? It must be something that's happening to you, right? Like a, you've got a headache, something like that. So if you've got a headache, then. There's the headache, you don't like it, but you can be aware of it. And you can be aware of working with it, not liking it, doing something about it, but essentially it's not self, it's happening to your citta. You're being affected by it. Now, you getting upset about it is not going to make it any better. You feeling you shouldn't have it is not going to make it any better at all. You thinking, misery me, why do I have to go through this, doesn't doesn't make any better either. <laughs> you thinking it's my fault, I should I was born in the wrong condition, I did, 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 I did this and the other in the past, that doesn't help either. It's stop. This is called mental proliferation. And this always gets us involved with it. So we say, just pull back. Phenomena is a phenomenon. It's like that. And you probably recognize that everybody gets some of this stuff. Everybody gets fed up. Everybody gets angry. Everybody gets upset. Everybody feels bad about themselves <laughs> sooner or later. Where's the self in that? You know, It's just like a disease that comes over. And then how do you deal with a disease? Well, you're just getting agitated about it doesn't help. Blaming yourself doesn't help. Wanting to go away doesn't help. So you start, what can you do? Well, you withdraw and see it as it is. And Now, what is the medicine for that? Yeah. Well, it's not going to be I am, it's not the medicine for that. <laughs> that makes it worse. Instead, the medicine for that is something like, well, let's try some patience. Let's try some acceptance. Sounds crazy. I don't want to accept this horrible thing. Of course you don't. But when you, you accept, it doesn't mean you hang on to it. It means, there it is. Stop reacting to it. That's what acceptance means. It doesn't mean you like it. 
or you want to keep it, or you think you just accept the presence of it, and the stop means basically means you stop reacting to it, trying to push it away, wishing you didn't have it, wondering how long it's going to go on for. You stop doing that, and then that really pulls energy out of it, Draw, withdraws energy from it. You know? Acceptance is a very big and quite difficult thing to do. Let me come back. Okay. Then, then, okay. What does this quality really need? Not what I need, but what does this really need? Just hold it with care, carefulness, dispassion, kindness, dispassion. Breathing in, breathing out. Just so it's that the nature. Its nature is to break up if we don't keep gripping it with aversion, with confusion, with identification. This is how you train. And this goes on, you know, because you think, oh, you know, I'm still getting annoyed at so-and-so, so-and-so. You know, I still don't like her. After all these years practicing metta, I've wasted my time on her. I still don't like her. And you think, Oh, really, I can't practice, you know, I've failed, I can't do it, I just can't do it. Just notice a sense of I can't do it. Well, start with that. <laughs> What's that feel like? Do you want more of that? Do you want to stay with that? Is that good for you? Staying with I can't do it? Or is better just saying, be a bit more humble. You know, this quality still has power. Uh, I need to be see it as it is. Um, this is still not myself. It's just a habit. It goes on. And me getting upset about it isn't going to make it any better. So I just have to practice withdrawing patience. And see, then with insight, see. When I say I don't like her, what is it I don't like? Is her ears? No, they're fine. Toes? They're okay too. I can manage her toes. What about uh, clothes? Well, you know, I can handle that. What is it you don't like? (laughs) I don't like the way she talks to me. All the time? No, not all the time. Just when she gets like demanding. That's what I don't like. Okay, you don't like demanding, right? You don't like that pressure. That's what you don't, not her. You don't like that demanding, stubborn sankara that's coming your way. Right? That's what you don't like. Now, you not liking it, it doesn't care whether you like it or not. <laughs> so can you see that as just, this is sankara, just step back. Yeah. You're not in control. <laughs> Just step back from that. This is this is something demanding. I don't like it. Step back from. Nobody likes it, but it doesn't mean we have to start getting upset about it all. Accept it. There it is. And then you think, it's actually, I don't her. It's not her. It's that. That quality. Yeah strikes my chitta. What's needed? 
Don't react. Relax. Don't feel don't feel it should it shouldn't happen. Don't be in a hurry to, to, to it stops. You know? So all these subtle ways in which we uh, we the chitta attaches, because chitta wants to not be bothered, not be troubled. And say, I'm sorry, that's not possible that way. <laughs> Making yourself out of it that's invulnerable is not not possible. But you can learn to accept this is getting annoyed, it's like this. This is wishing not to get annoyed, is like this. This is feeling I'm a failure for not for getting annoyed, it feels like this. And, and then she just keep pulling back and back and back, you see. Like this. You don't keep it rolling. It's already started. You can't stop it. But you can stop continuing it. The way you stop continuing it is you start to withdraw the I am from it. Yeah. And how the I am, I'd like, I want to be something else. I want to be completely equanimous and unmoved. No, you know, you know, it doesn't happen. I am doesn't get that way. The I am never gets enlightened. Because <laughs> it's, it, you know, it's, it's a secondary quality. The only thing that gets liberated is chitta. And the first big step, of, well, many steps actually, but major step is to liberate the chitta from I am. We see wherever the I am appears, it's a flag saying, what's that? And whenever the I am appears, whether I'm good, whether I am somebody who can get into jhana, whether I'm somebody who hasn't got a single chance of getting anywhere near jhana, you know, whatever, whatever the I am appears, you'd be sure that suffering is about to happen. <laughs> if it hasn't happened already. Once you get that I am coming, just wait, because suffering's right on its way, heading straight for your chin. <laughs> so you learn that just back off, you know, don't pick that thing up. <laughs> as soon as something arrives, just the state, it's just the state, look, I'm letting, you know, <laughs> I'm not holding it. <laughs> you can kick me around if you like, but I'm not going to hold it. Because <laughs> getting kicked around will only last for so long, but I am goes on forever. I keep holding it. This is pretty radical, you see. Because this is the way you sort of, you, you know, you, you know, the only way out is through that. Yes. And then you can be aware of it, so there's awareness of that, and that awareness is liberated from all this grasping and forming and making and doing and defending and proving and claiming and dismissing and, you know, I don't like this, I don't see why it should happen. You know, it's like nobody likes it. But it doesn't mean it's, that makes it stop happening. <laughs> and nobody likes to feel they don't like things, but they still feel experiencing not liking things. And there it is. And as soon as you can find some angle where you possible to just withdraw the compulsive reactivity, then you do that. And of course, this can be quite humbling. And sometimes you feel, oh, gee, I'm so mind is a mess, I just can't do this at all. No, well, you've got something right. Mind is a mess, it's dead right. <laughs> but you're okay. 
<laughs> the I am is not. It's just when you do the I am that you make it a problem. And it's a certain sense of both an energetic withdrawal, even as, which helps with an emotional withdrawal. You're emotionally step back. You know? And then this is, this is definitely the way in which we are encouraged to cultivate wisdom, deep wisdom, and jitta can do that. It can do that. And in terms of thinking, Thinking is something that jitta has an urge to do because it seeks one way of seeking security, which jitta wants to feel secure and steady, is to get some thinking going that will tell it what's going on. Uh, going, so it's got a nice, nice big layer of thought that tells you exactly what's going on. You know, oh, I got it. And so that's one of the big impulses of jitta is to think, get some thought going. And preferably thought about the future as well, get that one sorted out. And other people, get that sorted out. What you're going to do, get that one figured out. And what to do if that doesn't work, get that figured out. So plenty of room to make things secure, because what? Because it's not secure. That's why you have to keep thinking. <laughs> yeah. To try and, you know, it's like you're treading water. Just to stay afloat. The world of thought is like water, and you have to keep pumping away just to stay upright. So the best thing is to get out of the water. <laughs> and you have to learn that one too. You know, just how to withdraw from the fascination of thinking with its incredible gymnastics and wonderful things you can do with it. Delights of it and the lovely clear ideas it gives you. And it's very attractive. And you just say, it's a thought. And you say, what's that doing to my body? You know, buzzing away. It's not in your body. <laughs> so you want to get out of the water onto the dry land. And then you can, yeah, when you want to, you can go and take a dip. But you don't stay in there for long. You know, you go in there, take a dip, do what you need to do. And then get out. Otherwise, you'd be stuck in that thing for a good long while. You know, jitter's definitely got some big addictive patterns to it. Yeah, this is, of course, <clears throat> addiction to self, a big one. Really wants to have a self. Yeah. And we get so addicted to this that having done it once this life, we go and do it again. Have another one. Have another go round. And so you can be keeping this addiction going for lifetimes. And so the aim is to kick the habit. <laughs> so then when chitta is released, the energy of chitta is, is soothed and it just begins a, a very... So when jitta is temporarily, she get a kind of soft energy, energy softens and quietens down and becomes very steady and, and cools out. So nibbanas sometimes refer to the cool. The cool energy is really cool, uh, you know, quiet. So let's have a look at some other things here. 
So now we have some regrets and uh, characteristic regrets over, you know, friends, parents, and uh, siblings, and uh, when I was younger, you know, you know her, other people, and so forth. Uh, is it possible to forgive oneself? I feel remorseful. How do I clear this? Yeah, well, this is, uh, you know, of course, very poignant and painful. Because that sense of remorse and regret, we definitely feel that I am, I have failed, I have been unkind, I am, you know, there's a strong identification with it. So, in the very simplest outline is to say there was an unskillful action. There was unskillful action. Look at the results of that. So, one should refrain from this action in the in now, since we can't go back in the past. We should refrain from it, action, the action now. Second step, we should in fact encourage a lot of uh, kindness and compassion uh, towards others and even apologize if that's the case. If it's possible, they may have passed away, but at least in your own heart you do that and you genuinely mean it. And also then you start to give, um, once that's the case, then you start to uh, experience some compassion towards yourself. Basically because when you're acting unskillfully, you've just done yourself a lot of harm. And uh, you're beating yourself up about it isn't going to make it any better. <laughs> yeah, uh, It's needed just, you know, I, the foolishness of my mind and the impulsiveness and the deviousness has done me harm. You know, I'm, I'm a victim of my foolishness. So what about some compassion for that? Because your jitter is now hurt. So, you know, so we have some real, you know, poignant and, and uh, stirring uh, recognition of just how precarious it is. We, our lives can be. We can slip over into silly foolishness that can leave us 10 years or so, 20 years, still in having pain. So when you see this, you realize, also you realize, like, I don't think I'm the only one who's done this. <laughs> I think other people have done unskillful things. In fact, I don't think there's anybody who hasn't done unskillful things. So, wow, you know, Maha Karuna. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be vengeful to anyone else because I know the harm they're causing themselves. So we get a sense of forgiving ourselves, forgiving everyone, which uh, also a sense of wariness, just let's be careful. And then this is definitely helps to feel one is becoming whole again because when we have these deep remorses, it's like the jitter just feels broken. You know, it, 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 can't, it can't stand up, it feels broken, unbalanced, so we've got to do something to bring it back into a sense of wholeness, and that means I have to embrace the action. It doesn't mean I like it, it means I completely accept that action, and feel it, and sense it, 
uh, accept it, but also recognize this is not myself. This is unskillful volitions and ignorance. And then, is it possible then just everyone has this? Everyone. Well, if somebody else had done this, what would you say? No, that was not so good, but come on. And so that gentle, forgiving and encouraging for the future. Much better than lamenting over the past. So on that on that topic, there's a couple of questions about these upper mana states. How can I practice mudita in daily life? <laughs> How can you practice equanimity in everyday life? <laughs> Well, you know, you've got to get these, um, what these terms refer to. So with mudita, they have the the expression that's uh, often used in, in monastic life is anamodana, which means I acknowledge, I acknowledge your good deed. So it's a sense of mudita, we rejoice. We rejoice, you did this good, we rejoice. So you cultivate like that, you see, well, you know, she did this good, she did this good thing. And, and I, that was good, that was beautiful. So you just begin to um, discern qualities, not so much people, but qualities. Because, of course, the person can range to a number of qualities depending on the situation they're in. But you see, well, you know, it's kind of, that was good. Focus on that. And then experience a sense of gladness for their, their goodness. You know, or their skillfulness, or their clarity, or their patience. And you see, you, once, you get, once you begin to know what it is, you can detect it in people. Human birth is basically, it's not hell, feels like it at times, but it's not. It's way above that. So everyone is, does some good. Uh, and it can be just the good of not harming. The good of caring for a, 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 an animal. The good of being patient with an elderly person. You know? So this is mudita. That's beautiful. So you begin to draw these qualities. And the more you draw them in, then you begin to stay with it and uh, cultivate it and exemplify it and learn from it yourself. So you pick up other people's qualities that are good and you feel your heart begins to rise up with some appreciation. I know in uh, in Sri Lanka, the villages, they have a a mudita bell. So when somebody, you know, um, does a good deed, they go and ring the mudita bell. People come out and rejoice because of that. So in a sense, it, sh- it brings people together in a sharing situation. You know? So it's great because then, you know, you can appreciate everybody else's good deeds without having to do any yourself. <laughs> Oops, no, that's wrong. You should... <laughs> Because if you really get it, you think, you know, the perfection of mudita is that was good, therefore, 
No, I want to. I want to go that. I want to cultivate that way. Well, Pekka is, is of course very very challenging equanimity. This is the sense in which, um, yeah, I think the Samsa's explained as um, this is karma. You know, people are heirs to their karma. That's often the the simplest way it's expressed. So you see, you know. Uh, she's having really good time because of she's done some good deeds and there's a, she, a good karma uh, and then she's having a difficult time because of karma so you see just um, you know, Upekar Upek is both aware of these changing conditions and it doesn't create a person out of them otherwise we get so excited when she's in a good state and so depressed when she's in a bad state so you might as well be jumping up and down but with Upeka, you see, oh, this Barami has run out. <laughs> you know, this one, okay, well, you know, it's like that now. And uh, it helps to, um, you know, cool the emotional bonding that can uh, drag us up and down. And then, when, of course, when we have uh, skillful states or happy states, we say, okay. Then you, you're pleased, you're happy with it, but at the same time, you're equanimous. In other words, this is a change, a change. Mm. Yeah. And so the Buddha said, even when he had uh, very agreeable meditations, he didn't let it take over his mind. He had painful meditations, he didn't let it take over his mind. When people praised him, he didn't let it take over his mind. When they accused him, he didn't let it take over. When they misrepresented him, he didn't let it take over. He said, that's theirs, that's theirs, that's theirs, that's theirs, that's theirs, that's that, that's that. For this reason, he's called Tathagata. He's, he's one who's you know, withdrawn uh, from these uh, attachment to states. This is Upeka. How do you manage it in daily life? <laughs> well... <laughs> Uh, you just, just you, uh, you have to go. I guess you have to go through these emotional ups and downs of uh, you know optimism and pessimism until you, you, your mind learns not to just go up and down, because every up is the beginning of the next down. <laughs> It comes in waves, uh, not necessarily, you know, I mean, the highs don't necessarily go deeply down, but they certainly, that's the end of that, okay. It's bound to be that way. Uh, you know, and then the down, yes, no, I don't like it, that's obvious, I don't like it, but it's bound to be like that. That's that. And so you're always sort of inching back from that emotional engagement. But it doesn't mean you're not sensitive, but you realise the the uh, uh, the foolishness of just compulsive attachment to happiness and unhappiness. <coughs> so a lot of uh, problems with obstructive mind states, judgmental. Um, not good enough, um, lonely, regretful, sad, 
hopelessness. Well, there we are. I think I've touched on to this. And uh, I know it's, it's, uh, it's troubling. But essentially, you know, you can't, you can't go into these states and try to and work them out because if that, if you could, you'd have done it already. <laughs> and you realize the mind that is upset is not capable of dealing with it because it's part of the problem. So, you know, the very mind that feels lonely, the lonely mind cannot be other than lonely. <laughs> but then we can notice lonely depressed, irritated, and now how do we kind of not get overwhelmed with it? Uh, As I said, you know, you just just try to come back to the body. Uh, You can sometimes pick up a skillful mental state or a skillful image, you know, the Buddha, something where you feel brightened or steadied or even talk to somebody. Something gives you a way of just, just getting some perspective on that state so it doesn't overwhelm you. Once you get some perspective on it, then you have to be patient and really see what's needed. Judgmental mind, you know, it's it's a painful, ugly thing. Um, And you, you see, you know, it's that. And then, so once you get, as I said, once you get some perspective on these things, then you can begin to your wisdom. So, what's what's it doing that? And what am I judging? And what is the there's some strange fascination with that? Because if I judge somebody else, I feel superior. <laughs> okay, so you know, if she's inferior, then I'm superior. Why do I need to be superior? How good does that make me feel? Doesn't make me feel good at all. Wouldn't it be better if I was compassionate? That made me feel a lot better. So there's a lot of suffering in being right, the suffering in being wrong, and the suffering in being right. But the suffering of being right sometimes is more tenacious because we rather like it. <laughs> Gives my I am somewhere to stand where it can not point everybody else's thoughts, but then you think, but then you, you see it's ugly, ugly, and painful, and lonely. So you see, you know, and compassion, and uh, equanimity, and uh, is much, much more wholesome. So the, all these various emotional states are essentially handled in the same way, you know, to withdraw, to pull one, not to get interested in them, not to try to fix them or change them. Yeah. The main thing is just to step back to get perspective on them as they are. And then to feel how they're affecting your body, sometimes just by relaxing in your body, feeling your body more fully, you take a lot of the power out of these mental states, emotional states. Yeah. And then you can start to use your wisdom when it's no longer really overwhelming you. You still feel gripped by it, but you're able to look at that, then you start to, you know, look at not so much who's in the story and how real is that? Yeah, and, you know, there's my mother 
who was so da 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 da. She was like da 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 da. And you say the word my mom, you go da 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 da. Where is she? She's in your heart. And say, what's that? Just this memory of being disapproved of or bullied or disliked. That's that. Not her, it's that. That quality. So you, you really wisely discern the real point of the arrow that's stuck in you. And I don't want to be hurt. I don't like pain. Well, who does? And then we open to that. You know, if you keep opening to that in a careful way, the arrow drops out. And the main thing is not to try to get rid of it or blame anybody or blame yourself, but it doesn't get the point. You've got to get to the point of dukkha. And, uh, and sometimes it means you get a big emotional shift. Sometimes you even get bodily shifts where your body starts to sweat or tremble. If it's, deep, if it's deeply embedded, you often get a, like a traumatic effect. The body sort of, you know, feels very unsteady. You just keep going. It's like, like a detox, you know, unpleasant, but you end up vomiting out these terrible uh, problems. Reclining meditation. How should I practice lying down if I always fall asleep? See, in a car, plane, sofa, I can all fall asleep easily. Uh, what can I hook my mind to to stay awake? Hmm. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it depends. But uh, you can, if you, if you do reclining in a very formal way, most people when they sleep would tend to curl, you know, you start to you curl up. Uh, so you, you don't curl. <laughs> you keep a straight line. So if you lie on your side, you keep a, imagine and feel the straight line between the soles of your feet and your back and your shoulders and your hips right up to the top of your head and keep drawing that line with your mind, keep drawing your awareness up and down that line. Same thing if you lie flat on your back, draw your awareness up and down that line before you doze off. And you know, use that and you could even use a mantra or something to keep your mind activated. A mantra as you're drawing that line. It could be the mantra we've been doing or Buddha. Just so your mind is more engaged and you keep getting that line in and arranging your body in that way. Uh, and so then depending on how you're reclining you can use that center line I think is the most important if you're lying on your back you can do the lateral direction as well you can put your hands on your chest or your belly and just and just feel so sometimes feel that and then just if it helps you stay awake but you often your energy definitely drops but you want to let it drop and not completely fall away. So sometimes a little bit of contact helps. So if you're lying on your side, just kind of feeling your fingers on the side of your head, 
fingertips are very sensitive so that contact helps to give the mind something to, to engage with. Use a mantra, that also helps. <coughs> and reclining meditation is good because we do recline, so we might as well try to do it mindfully. Most of us will probably die lying down, so we can do a few dress rehearsals <laughs> before we go, so that when we do go, we're actually prepared to, this is how to cultivate a skillful mind state. You might bring up metta, gratitude, thank you, uh, I, I'm, I'm grateful, I'm blessed, you know, some quality that you can sustain as you lie there, and it may be that you've managed that for 20 minutes and you fall asleep, but still, that's good. So someone complaining or mentioning that they uh, get into various states or levels where they're getting uh, uh, head hurts, um, or brain hurts. Somebody mentioned getting very, very peaceful for quite a bit of the time and then uh, had a nervous breakdown, you never get back to that state again. So why can't I get there? Again? Mm. Well, whether the uh, state itself was, uh, um, you know, something that uh, unfortunately was imbalanced, certainly if you're getting pressure in your head, that's not balanced, it's too intense. And it's this intensity in meditation is to be um, noticed, because people do get intense in meditation, uh, because there's a sense of, really, I want to do this, I want to get to that state, I want to get to Nibbana, you know, there's a sense of intensity to, to, to meditate and to concentrate and to progress and get to different levels. And this generally messes you up. <laughs> because it's, it's imbalanced. Remember, you have, you have to have both the active and the receptive uh, to, so the mind is in balance. If it's just going all action, 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 you're putting too much energy in only one aspect of the mind, it's not balanced. There should be enough to be receptive, quiet, peaceful, and that receptive, then we can begin to look at what we're doing, you know? Look at the state that's arising, you know? Be able to moderate the state that's arising, not just go into it, you know? Not just, because sometimes these states are quite interesting and agreeable, and this is quite common for people who get pleasant states or seemingly paranormal states, you know, bright lights, and wow, I'm really nearly there, and they go bang into it, <laughs> and there's no wisdom in it, because there's nothing there to say, that's a pleasant state, that's an agreeable state, how's that? You know, no, no, no loose space around it to be where your wisdom faculty can occur. And then if you lose your wisdom faculty, you're in trouble. You really are, you know, because then this energy itself is very captivating, it gets magnetic, and you get pulled in, and then sometimes your kind of system just, you know, people get 
go a bit strange or have a breakdown or just get so intense their body starts shivering or they're getting pain in their head yeah, and they're thinking they're enlightened <laughs> this is very good distortions occur but the quality of practice has to be sensible how about that <laughs> middle moderate uh, enough room to to notice what's going on and, and perhaps progress itself is a bit of a dangerous concept because we start pushing and wanting maybe we don't want progress what we want is just to let go of suffering and let go of self and if you call that progress call it progress but don't aim for progress Because if you aim for progress, you can start pushing for something. Just aim, if you want to aim for anywhere, just aim to be balanced and whole and, and, and dispassionate yeah? and equanimous. You know? those, those will be better aims than, than progress or attainment. Those things happen by themselves in the appropriate way. But, uh, you know, if you're starting to want to get to some state or another, that's not good. And if you're starting, oh, I had that state ten years ago and so forth, it's gone. It's finished. You don't, you don't go back. You can't go back. You have to work with where you are now. And uh, that's, that's, that's always the standard feeling. You haven't got it, you've lost it. Work with that, that feeling, that mood. You can always breathe in and out. You can always walk up and down. You can always have a gesture of loving kindness. That doesn't go. <laughs> you know, keep, keep that going and it will always serve you well. So let's uh, <coughs> thank you for these questions. I hope there's been some interesting or useful thoughts or reflections that came out of it. You know, and uh, I hope it just encourages you to find your your own answers. Also, that you'd hear clearly a few people have asked these questions. Not everybody has, but maybe there's something that we should be grateful to these people for because they are something that we needed to know about. Uh, we had, we hadn't formed. So thank you very much, questioners, and let's all consider deeply the nature of this dhamma. <laughs>